Welcome to another episode of Silent Truths. First and foremost, thank you so much for tuning in today um, and taking time out of your day to listen to this audio recording. I am deeply, deeply appreciative and super, super grateful. Um, As always, I like to start off the recordings with just a big thank you to everyone who continues to um, listen to the audio recordings, read the blog posts, comment, share, like, um, and just find this information to be very useful to you on your health journey. So thank you so kindly for just continuing to rock with me. You know, um, I appreciate it deeply. And um, second of all, you know, depending on the time of day that you're tuning in, I just want to say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And I hope that you enjoy this recording that I have planned for you today. So I'm going to dive right into our topic today, um, and it's simply just inflammation. Um, inflammation, you know, we hear that word so often, but what exactly does it mean? We hear that, you know, inflammation is at the root of all diseases, all illnesses, and all the aches and pains that we have, but what exactly does that mean? So in this audio recording today, I'm going to break down the different facets of inflammation and then explain when inflammation can actually work for the body because there are certain situations where inflammation has to take place um, to work for the body. And then there are situations where inflammation is actually working against the body. And that's more so when it it is more in a chronic long-term state. So there is, you know, different types of inflammation. There is acute inflammation, which is also known as short-term inflammation. And then there is chronic inflammation, which is also known as long-term inflammation. And then there's just inflammation that occurs when we become injured or, you know, um, we have to undergo wound healing that needs to take place, say, from a surgery or a cut or a scrape or a bruise or something of that nature. So again, different types of inflammation, acute, short-term, chronic, long-term, and then wound healing, which is, you know, relatively short-term, you know, depending on the depth of, of, of the wound that you actually have. So we'll first start with wound healing inflammation. And, you know, inflammation with respect to wound healing is sort of a necessary thing so that the body can heal accordingly. Now, when you experience a wound, there's different phases of the wound healing process. And the inflammatory phase actually comes in in the second stage of the wound healing process. And this inflammatory phase is actually necessary because what happens is the, you know, when blood vessels are injured and there's a, you know, a wound that takes place at the site of that wound, the blood vessels actually dilate so that fresh blood and increased blood flow can come to that area of injury. And the the dilation of the blood vessels is necessary simply because with all of that fresh blood flow that comes to the area comes your wound healing cells, your immune system cells. So that's help helping to fight off any infection, you know, cause you have your, you know, your cells that will engulf any type of bacteria 
or, you know, debris that's around the area or in the womb that could cause, you know, potential um, infection within the womb. And then you also have your repair cells that will come that, you know, such as your growth factor cells and other cells that help to um, produce collagen to sort of reconstruct and um, reconnect that um, that connective tissue where the, the site has been injured, where the skin has been punctured or severed or injured. So this is a situation where the inflammation process or inflammatory process is working for us because, you know, um, one of the side effects, which is the uncomfortable part of the inflammatory process is, you know, the byproduct of those blood vessels dilating so that fresh blood and healing cells can come to that area. That's how you get your swelling, your redness, you know, you're sometimes hot to touch, you know, like um, around the site. And then also, you know, the, the aches and pains or the, you know, the discomfort that comes with, you know, um, healing that particular wound or that particular injury. So um, this is just a short classic of example of how the inflammatory process or inflammation with respect to wound healing works for us because the goal is simply these inflammatory cells um, come to the site, do what they need to do, you know, uh, remove the debris, remove any bacteria, any potential infectious agents, and then, you know, the wound healing cells come in, do what they need to do, and then the inflammatory cells sort of disappear, you know, um, they don't hang around, they don't linger. And you'll, you'll see what I mean when I say hang around and linger, because there are effects to when you have inflammatory cells that are hanging around in the body longer than what they need to. So in this case, you know, the inflammatory response happens, it does what it needs to do, the wound is healed, and then the inflammatory response goes away or it calms down. So classic example of when inflammation or inflammatory response is working for us, for the body. And so another, you know, uh, classic example of short-term inflammation, which is actually working for us, is the inflammatory response or inflammation that occurs when you get, you know, a cold or a flu. You know, that feeling, you know, you get when you just feel under the weather with a cold, you know, such as you get the body aches, you get the fatigue, you get the swollen, sometimes painful lymph nodes or lymph glands, um, you get the headaches, the sore throat, um, the congestion, and in some cases, a fever. Um, this is, these are all classic examples of inflammation working for us, meaning that crappy feeling that you get when you first get a cold, that's actually our immune system kicking in to help fight off the pathogens that are associated with the cold. You know, so in most cases, you know, with a cold, you might notice that you actually feel worse before we actually feel better. And this is simply because when we get a cold, our immune system immediately mounts up and sends our, you know, white blood cells, troops out, you know, white blood cells, you know, troops to kill off the virus, to protect the body and do what they need to do to help us to mount a healthy enough immune response to, um, to sort of heal the body ultimately. Um, so, you know, that, that fever that sometimes we experience or that high 
temperature that we sometimes experience, you know, say in the case of, you know, like the flu or, you know, a virus or something of that nature, that can actually be related to the body, um, a, a self-healing mechanism that the body has to sort of overheat itself so that it can kill the viruses internally. So the body will actually, you know, increase the body temperature so that um, as a way to kill off the virus, that's a, that's a self defense healing mechanism of the body um you know the aches and pains that are associated with a cold or a flu or a virus that's actually related to the white blood cells of the immune system attacking the virus and some of those byproducts produce inflammatory substances that you know can cause the aches and pains um, you know, for example, there is a cell of the immune system called a cytokine, which is a cell that signals to other cells in the immune system, hey, get activated and get ready for war because I see a, I'm a signaling cell. I see a threat within the body, something that is foreign that does not belong here, such as a virus or a bacteria or something of that nature. And this cell signals you know the immune cells to come to the site of battle to simply fight the battle you know whether it's the the common cold the flu you know a virus whatever the case may be but i bring this cell up because these cytokines alone this immune system cell are inflammatory cells so between the cytokines and other white blood cells that are, you know, sort of a part of the immune system response that goes to work to sort of fight off this virus, this is actually what produces the inflammation within our body, you know, um, that causes this, you know, aches and pains or, you know, all of these cold and flu-like symptoms, you know. Um, so this is an example of an inflammatory response that's working for us with respect to um, healing the body, you know. Um, also, you know, that fatigue that we get that's associated with, you know, having a cold or, or flu, this is also a product of uh, the immune system going to work and, you know, sort of helping to fight off the virus because what people have to realize is that it takes energy to mount an immune response. It takes energy to fight off a virus, to um, heal the body. It takes energy to repair the body. So, you know, if all of the resources within the body are going to, you know, fight off this cold or fight off this flu, then that means energy is taken away from other areas of the body because right now that's not considered a priority. What's considered a priority is attacking this foreign, you know, virus or, you know, bacteria that's in our body. So the fatigue we experience is a byproduct of the body, you know, um, mounting this healing immune system response. And it's also a intelligence factor of the body saying, you need to rest. I am, I do not want you trying to, you know, go to work and rip and run the streets and, and, you know, have a full calendar when you are sick and under the weather, because I need that energy to fight off this virus. So I want you to rest to help me get the energy that I need to do the work that I need to do to heal and repair and restore the body. So it's a, the body's intelligent, innate way of saying, slow down, take a rest, sit on the couch, go to sleep, 
take a nap and just chill out basically in those so many words so you know this is a classic case of when inflammation is working for us and the body is using its innate intelligence to slow us down as well so you know again with that cold or flu the fact that we feel worse before we feel better is just simply the immune system going to work um as quickly as possible and the byproduct of that is inflammation because you know a lot of things you know all of these reactions are taking place in the body you know the the white blood cells are engulfing this bacteria and, and there's byproducts that is produced when these white blood cells engulf and kill this bacteria or this virus or whatever foreign you know um, foreign invader is in the body so all of the byproducts of all of the reactions that are taking place within the body um, courtesy of the immune system is what causes the short-term inflammatory response in the body the short-term aches and pains the short-term fatigue the short-term swollen lymph glands the short-term headaches sore throat congestion fever, things of that nature. Um, but you notice the reason why I say that this is an inflammatory response that works for us is because it's short term. It, The inflammatory cells of the immune system move in, they do what they need to do, and then the immune system calms down and the inflammatory cells are no longer circulating in the body for a long-term period of time. So the same way with wound healing, short term, the same way this inflammation with respect to a cold or flu or virus or something of that nature. This is another inflammatory uh, situation where, um, excuse me, let me back up there. This is another situation where inflammation within the body is working for us and it's a short term period of time. So next we can talk about chronic inflammation. And this is the inflammation that does not work for us. This actually works against the body. You know, chronic inflammation, this is the long-term inflammation that extends beyond short-term inflammation with respect to short-term inflammation, meaning inflammation that can occur days to weeks or even a month or so, you know, but chronic inflammation is years ongoing repeatedly you know um just a long extended time frame of inflammation in which the immune system sort of is just never turning off it's it's overactive and this has been going on for years you know long-term inflammation you know um the immune system is constantly, you know, with respect to chronic inflammation, the immune system is constantly activated. And what this means is, you know, white blood cells are constantly being mobilized um, and, and active, but yet there is no cold or no flu or no wound healing or virus or bacteria that is present to, you know, to fight off. Um, inflammatory cells are constantly being activated, but yet there is nothing to heal or repair. So that means the immune system is active and on high alert, but there is no threat. There is no invader, you know, that's, that's happening to the body. So, you know, with respect to chronic long-term inflammation, think about what I mentioned earlier in terms of all of the process that are, in, that's involved in the inflammatory response, such as the increased blood flow, you know, um, to the damaged area from the blood, 
from the blood vessels dilating, you know, that causes the swelling to take place, um, you know, because this needs to happen so that the immune system cells can get to the site for damage control and repair. Um, you know, also the white blood cells that are released in response to, you know, a threat when there is a real threat, you know, so to um, actually engulf the bacteria or the viruses um, or whatever, you know, it is that that needs to be attacked. The inflammatory cytokines that I talked about where, you know, these are the signaling cells of the immune system that basically says, hey, I see something happening. Um, send the troops into this site and go to work kind of thing. You know, just think about all of, you know, those inflammatory responses that I talked about that takes place when, you know, the immune system becomes activated. And, you know, what happens over the course of time is, you know, with this immune response constantly being activated, um, the immune system actually starts to attack nearby healthy tissues or nearby healthy cells, meaning, you know, um, it starts to attack the body's own tissues and, you know, the body's own cells may start to get attacked because the immune system has been overactive for so long and these you know inflammatory cells these you know immune system cells have been on high alert and circulating within the body for so long looking for a threat that does not exist that it starts to have a hard time to distinguish between a foreign invader and our own cells because you know everything starts to to look the same because if they it you know if you think about it if these cells are constantly circulating in the body and the immune system is constantly active looking for a, a threat and it does not see anything then eventually it starts to sort of think that our own cells are are the threat because that's what they start to see on a regular basis from constantly being active and activated in the body so what happens is our immune system somewhat turns on us and starts to attack our own cells, our own tissues and our own organs. And this becomes first off a result of long-term chronic inflammation within the body. And then secondly, becomes a classic case of autoimmune disease when the immune system, our own immune system starts to attack our own cells because our own cells organs and tissues start to mimic or look like a cell that is a foreign invader or a foreign body. The The immune system, because it has been on high alert and mounted for so long, does not, it loses the capability to distinguish foreign from self. So not only do you have, you know, a, you can end up with a case of autoimmune disease, but you, you start to end up with those classic long-term inflammatory symptoms and side effects, um, which is simply just a byproduct of chronic inflammation in the body. And I will go over these, you know, these side effects or these symptoms that we experience that could be related to just simply our body is inflamed. You know, our immune system is on high alert and inflammatory cells have been circulating within the body 
for long periods of time. I'm talking years and years. And over the course of time, you know, these inflammatory cells start to damage our cells, damage our tissues, you know, damage our organs. And, you know, the side effects that we experience from that um, is what I'll discuss with you. So some of these, you know, common ailments that, you know, can be related to um, chronic long-term inflammation is arthritis. You know, um, a lot of us have arthritis and, you know, um, we sometimes wake up in the morning and we feel that, you know, that stiffness, that, that ache and that pain, or for some of us, we can make it, wake up in the morning and be fine. But as we start to move throughout our day, we start to feel the aches and pains. So it just depends on what kind of arthritis you have. Um, also just regular general aches and pains. You know, a lot of people that I speak with, you know, they just have general aches and pains, whether it's back aches or, you know, shoulder aches or neck aches, things of that nature. You know, some of that can be related to um, just chronic long-term inflammation. Um, unexplained fatigue, you know, if you ruled out, again, you know, your hormones and, you know, um, digestive related issues, you know, some, some of the unexplained fatigue can be, you know, related to um, chronic inflammation because, you know, with inflammation, the, our cells are not getting nourished at a cellular level. So hence we are not getting the, you know, the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients needed to fuel our body because that, that inflammation is sort of starting to damage our cells. Um, other things such as acne, you know, um, acne can be a byproduct of, of chronic inflammation, you know, inflammation of the skin. But, you know, again, there's that famous uh, statement that the skin is a outer manifestation of the inner manifestation of what's going on in the body. So in a lot of cases, you know, long-term acne can be related to a inflammatory state within the body that's being reflected externally. And this goes the same thing for skin rashes and eczema as well. You know, eczema is a classic example of a outer manifestation of a inner inflammatory state within the body. Um, also, you know, excessive mucus production, post-nasal drip, um, that is also a, a classic case of um, an inflammatory immune system response that's happening in the body because, you know, um, one of the things that mucus is and mucus serves as is a protectant for the body. So we're experiencing excessive mucus production. This is the body's way of trying to protect us from a foreign substance. So um, this can also be um, reflective of inflammation um, within the body. So these are just a few examples of, um, you know, of of reflections of chronic long-term um, inflammation because these inflammatory cells are constantly circulating um, within the body. Other manifestations of chronic long-term um, inflammation 
um, is a lot of the illnesses, unfortunately, that we hear about, you know, today and that are on the rise, unfortunately. Um, and some of these are autoimmune diseases, which is what I discussed, you know, mentioned briefly earlier when the immune system has, has become so overactive um, and on high alert for so long that it has a hard time. They say it becomes confused almost, you know, it has a hard time distinguishing self from a foreign invader. So in other words, our cells start to look similar to the cells of a foreign invader. So the body actually starts to attack um, its own cells, hence why it's called autoimmune disease. And some of these autoimmune diseases are, you know, Hashimoto's or, you know, lupus. Those are some classic autoimmune diseases. Um, other, you know, effects of chronic inflammation, you know, can lead to heart disease, kidney disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, depression, particularly depression related to poor gut health, as in, you know, you have um, either a bacterial overgrowth, a fungal overgrowth, or inflammation in the intestines, um, leaky gut, or a case of dysbiosis. Dysbiosis simply means a larger growth of bad bacteria relative to the healthier bacteria that you have in your body. So you, when you hear dysbi dysbiosis, just simply think you have more unhealthy bacteria than you do healthy bacteria. Um, and then also cases of gout or type 2 diabetes. So, you know, the list can go on and on with respect to um, some of the effects that manifest from chronic long-term inflammation. So, you know, um, next I'm going to just kind of talk about some of the causes that can cause um, chronic inflammation, you know, just so that you can have an idea of, you know, what are the origins of, of, of this chronic inflammation? You know, how, do, how does it take root in the body? Um, and the number one thing is stress. I think, in my opinion, I think anyone who knows me has heard me say this on several occasions, that stress is the one of the most underrated causes of dis-ease in America. I'm going to say that again. Stress is the most underrated and underrecognized cause of disease um, in America. So with respect to stress, you know, the stress response produces inflammation in our body. You know, it's just, it, it produces automatically an inflammatory response. But, you know, and let me sort of back up with this. So Stress in a short-term situation, this inflammatory response can be helpful because the goal is for that stress response to mount itself, do whatever it needs to do for whatever the stressor is, and then to release and, you know, sort of, um, to, to release the stress response and then to also um, deactivate the stress response. So, you know, as with any mechanism in the body, it's... It's not designed to be for a long-term time frame, meaning the stress response is just supposed to turn on and then turn off. The wound healing response is supposed to turn on, do what it needs to do, and then turn off. When we have a cold or a flu, the immune system response is supposed to turn on, 
do what it needs to do to heal the body and then turn off as per se. So all of these self-healing, innate, intelligent wisdom aspects of the body is designed to be activated, mission accomplished, and then deactivate. So the problem becomes when these responses turn on, but they never turn off off and they never get to rest. So now you have just like with anything, um, something is good in moderation, but it becomes a problem or addictive when it becomes long-term kind of thing, you know? So with respect to the stress response, stress, you know, the problem lies is when the stress response doesn't turn off and the, and the body still believes it's being threatened or under attack or the stressor is still present when there is no stress response. But this is a result from chronic stress, you know, from never turning off, never, you know, allowing ourselves to release that energy that's related to stress or that trauma, you know, or whatever it is that is stressing the body. So what happens is the body remains in this hypervigilant, hyper alert um, you know, state and the stress response never turns off, which means inflammation never turns down. Um, the second thing is diet. A lot of the processed food, the sugar, um, you know, the high carbohydrates and, you know, foods that are just not, um, you know, non-processed foods, they actually cause inflammation within the body because these are foods that are not um, innate to what we would eat on our regular daily basis. And a lot of these foods contain artificial flavoring, chemicals, you know, foreign, uh, foreign additives, things that the body just does not re uh, recognize. And they can cause inflammation within the body because they are processed foods. Um, sugar, we all know that sugar is just inflammatory within itself. And then in a lot of cases, food sensitivities. You know, sometimes we are eating foods that we have a sensitivity to. And then now, you know, let me kind of clarify a sensitivity and an allergy is two different things. You know, if you have a food allergy, you're going to, you're going to simply know because you're going to be choking, not able to breathe and things of that nature. But a food sensitivity is just a food that simply when you eat, it causes the immune system to react and sort of treat it as a foreign substance. And this is sometimes a result of what we call a leaky gut, meaning the walls, the intestinal walls of the, of the, um, of the gut is sort of leaky, meaning it's not sealed completely. So what happens is we can eat food and then sometimes the particles of that food can leak through the intestines and get into the bloodstream. And when there is these particles that is in the bloodstream, the immune system will consider them to be foreign because we should not have food byproduct particles in the bloodstream. So this will mount an immune response and then the immune system will attack that particular, you know, protein from the food. So how this creates a food sensitivity is say if you're constantly eating eggs. Well, every time the protein from that egg leaks out through, you know, that leaky gut, um, the immune system will recognize it as a foreign substance and attack it. And that immune response that is generated in response to eating eggs is what causes the inflammation. So that's how food sensitivities causes inflammation because 
it is recognized as a foreign substance to the body and, and causes the immune system to sort of become activated and attack that particular um, protein or substance from the food that is leaked out of the gut. Um, another cause of chronic inflammation is smoking. I think we are all aware of smoking being um, not the most uh, healthy thing for the body, and it does produce inflammation, particularly chronic long-term inflammation. Poor sleep hygiene, as in lack of sleep, sleep deprivation. Um, and now, you know, there is studies that are coming out that I've been reading more and more that are saying that even one day or two days of a lack of sleep can produce inflammation in the body. So, you know, that's how important sleep is to us. Sleep is such a healing modality for the body that now there are studies that are showing if you if you lack sleep just for one day, you are going to experience a lot of inflammation in the body. So, you know, imagine if sleep deprivation becomes your normal, your lifestyle, meaning you are burnt out, you are sleep deprived, and this has been going on for years. Well, that means the byproduct of that is you have chronic inflammation in the body because not only of just the general effects or general inflammatory effects of being sleep deprived, but sleep deprivation also produces um a host of other unhealthy effects, such as it throws off your your hormonal levels, you know, it throws off your leptin levels, your ghrelin levels. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. Leptin is your feeling full, uh, satiated hormone. You know, it causes um, blood sugar spikes because you tend to crave carby, sugary foods to kind of get that quick energy. So, you know, sleep deprivation can, over the course of time, just really cause degrading, um, you know, effects on the body, particularly chronic long-term inflammation. Um, another one is obesity. Obesity has a multitude of effects that can lead to chronic long-term inflammation in the body. And then poor gut health, as I mentioned before, leaky gut, um, which I already talked about, can cause the chronic inflammation because of the food particles leaking out of the out of the gut, um, and then call it mounting a um, immune response. And anytime the immune system um, is activated, you have a source of inflammation within the body. So next, I'm going to talk about just as I mentioned before, um, you know, of how I'm going to close this audio out is simply talking about some foods that can help with inflammation levels, combating, you know, inflammation levels. But, you know, before I go there with diet, I just sort of want to clarify the fact that with respect to um, talking about chronic inflammation or any other you know, health ailment or dis-ease in the body, you always want to get to the root cause of what is causing the chronic inflammation in, in the body, whether it's, you know, sleep deprivation, hormonal imbalance, you know, um, gut health issues, um, and autoimmune disease, you know, whatever it may be. Um, even though I am discussing, you know, certain dietary foods that can help with decreasing inflammation, you still want to 
get to the root cause, you know, of the issue so that, you know, once you know the root cause, you can get the proper uh, healing protocol. And then these foods, along with your regular healthy dietary choices, can serve as a complement to your overall healing regimen. But a lot of cases, you know, in terms of uh, with chronic inflammation, food is just one source of the healing wheel. You know, sometimes there's other things, you know, other um, healing elements or modalities or supplements that need to take place um, so that you can have what we call a holistic approach to healing your body. So again, I am a huge advocate of working with a, um, a health practitioner to, um, to address the root cause of your chronic inflammation or whatever ailment that you are um, experiencing. And diet will serve as a complementary um, medicine to the healing medicine that you get for addressing the root cause. So I'm just going to go over a few um, food dietary choices, as I said before. So first up, I'm going to kind of stick with some seasonal foods here is cherries. Cherries are currently in season now in the spring season, and cherries are a very excellent use for inflammation, um, assisting and helping to provide relief to those achy joints, that arthritis, that soreness, that back pain, that back ache, and just, you know, um, helping to reduce overall inflammation in the body. Um, with respect to cherries, Many attribute cherries pretty much anti-inflammatory properties to cherries actually contain um, plant pigments called anthocyanins, A-N-T-H-O-C-Y-A-N-I-N-S. And these plant pigments not only have, you know, powerful antioxidant properties, but they also have powerful anti-inflammatory properties so it's those anti excuse me it's those anthocyanins uh, which is the plant pigments in cherries that causes them to be anti-inflammatory so how you incorporate cherries into your diet is you can pick up a um, jar of unsweetened chart cherry juice so I'm going to say that again you can pick up a glass of um, you know what the glass bottles of unsweetened tart cherry juice and you can drink that as a beverage um in the food form you know the sweet cherries from the grocery stores um you know they either have them as a, in the fresh produce section or um in the frozen section um where your frozen fruits are and you can kind of incorporate that as a snack or you know a fruit in your smoothie next up is pineapples Pineapples is also another spring food as well that is anti-inflammatory. Pineapples actually contain an enzyme called bromelain, which actually helps to trigger our body's ability to reduce pain, inflammation, and swelling. Um, you know, in some cases with respect to pineapple, um, the juice of the pineapple is actually used for sports injuries with, you know, respect to when people get injured, they, they will drink the juice of the pineapple to reduce um, inflammation and pain and swelling. And also pineapples are actually being studied more and more for its help with providing reduction in pain and inflammation um, to people with osteoarthritis due to, you know, that bromelain content, which also helps to decrease pro 
inflammatory cells response that is generated by the immune system. So go pick up some frozen pineapple, add it in a smoothie or your fresh pineapple, cut it up and you can have it as a snack. But um, you cannot go wrong with a little bit of pineapple here and there. Um, Next up is your berries. These are your blueberries, your strawberries, raspberries, and blackberries. Um, now keep in mind with respect to berries, you want to buy berries in their organic form. You definitely want to buy your berries in their organic form um, because this is the healthier version of berries, um, particularly if you're going to go for strawberries as well. Um, berries actually contain flavonoids, specifically anthocyanins, which is the same thing that was in the uh, cherries as well. Um, berries contain that anthocyanins, which actually also contributes to the fact of why they are anti-inflammatory. And these berries actually provide the anti-inflammatory effect by pretty much reducing or inhibiting the release of the pro-inflammatory cytokines, which are the cells that are associated with the immune system signaling for the response of more inflammatory immune system cells to be stimulated or produced. So as I mentioned before earlier, the cytokines are the um, immune system signaling cells for more um, you know, cells to come to the site. And cytokines in, in themselves are inflammatory cells. So um, by these berries sort of reducing or helping to inhibit the release of these cytokines, that's how the berries are able to sort of lower the inflammation levels in the body. Next up is broccoli. Broccoli, I love broccoli. Um, broccoli due to its sulforaphane content, um, which is, you know, that sulfur content in, in the broccoli. This sulforaphane is actually known to possess anti-inflammatory properties. And there are more and more studies that have shown that also this sulforaphane content in broccoli can sort of assist with or help with the blocking of the um, inflammatory process in general and over the course of time slow down the damage to joints that are associated with osteoarthritis. So there are more and more studies that are coming out showing that um, the sulforaphane and broccoli um, is very um is one of the sort of critical elements when it comes to decreasing that inflammation within the joints. Next up is garlic. Garlic, this is either a hated or a loved food. You know, I love garlic, but you know, I know some people it's either, it's, it's black or white. It's either I love it or I hate it. Very rarely do I get in the middle, you know, but garlic in itself is just a powerhouse food. I call it a superfood simply because it's antiviral, antifungal, cleanses the blood, and it is anti-inflammatory. Garlic actually contains an anti-inflammatory compound called quercetin, which can typically help with the inflammatory process we get related to allergies from, um, you know, when we get these allergies, we get sort of an increased production of a compound called histamine. Um, which is associated with having ant, excuse me, with this is associated with having inflammatory effects. So 
let me kind of back the bus up here. So this histamine is sort of the chemical that is produced when we have an allergic response. Histamine in general is an inflammatory chemical. And when we experience allergies and we have those side effects such as the stuffy nose, the nasal congestion, um, things of that nature, or the headaches as well, this is due to histamine in the body. What happens is histamine sort of is a vasodilator. So it dilates the blood vessels, causing increased blood flow to go to the area. Hence why we can have headaches as a result of that increased blood flow or nasal congestion, because wherever there's increased blood flow, there is swelling. So that's why we get the nasal congestion and the stuffy nose. So that quercetin that's um, in garlic actually can assist with decreasing that histamine that we get from allergies that causes the inflammation. So that's how garlic can be anti-inflammatory because of that quercetin that's in the garlic and the effect of quercetin on histamine. It sort of serves as a anti-histamine. So keep that in mind and check out some garlic whenever you, whenever you um, get a chance to. Next up is our chia seeds and our flax seeds. I love Love, love chia seeds and flax seeds, and I pretty much incorporate them into my diet on a regular basis. Chia seeds and flax seeds are anti-inflammatory simply because they both have omega-3 fatty acids contained in them. And omega-3s are sort of a fatty acid compound that are anti-inflammatory and work to reduce inflammation in the body. And how these omega-3s do this is simply by inhibiting an enzyme called cyclooxygenase, which is COX, at which, you know, this enzyme helps to produce prostaglandin hormones. And Prostaglandin hormones are simply pro-inflammatory hormones that can be responsible for our general aches and pains that we experience in general or aches and pain or excuse me cramping associated with the menstrual cycle. So a lot of the cramping that we experience during our menstrual cycle is related to these prostaglandins which are pro-inflammatory um, chemicals. So the omega-3s actually help to become anti-inflammatory within the body by simply inhibiting that enzyme, that COX enzyme that helps to produce, um, is a part of the pathway to producing the prostaglandins. So by um, inhibiting that enzyme, you actually have less prostaglandins in the body, which means there are less inflammatory chemicals circulating in the body and less inflammation. Next up is walnuts. Walnuts are a great source of um, omega-3s, which do, does the same thing as the omega-3s in the uh, chia seeds and the flax seeds as well. Walnuts are excellent for brain health too, by the way. Um, so keep that in mind um, as walnuts are a great anti-inflammatory source. And then also pistachios. Pistachios are an excellent source of monounsaturated fats, which are the actually the healthy fats that help to decrease inflammation and 
These are the same monounsaturated fats that are in olive oil, which also helps to make olive oil a anti-inflammatory food as well. So you have your pistachios and your olive oil. And then finally, green tea. I love green tea. My mom loves green tea as well. So um, green tea is just an anti over excuse me, is an overall anti-inflammatory um, healthy drink simply because it contains antioxidants called catechins, which is also known as ECGC. But I'm gonna keep it simple and just say catechins that reduce inflammation. So Please enjoy a cup of green tea. Um, I always say on a regular basis because it has, you know, between the antioxidants, um, the anti-inflammatory properties, green tea is just a powerhouse for the body. So with that being said, folks, I hope that you found this audio to be informative and helpful and educational and insightful as well. Um, I challenge you to pick up some of these anti-inflammatory foods and incorporate them into your diet along with um, getting to the root cause of your chronic inflammation because, again, it's all about having a holistic approach to your health and well-being. So on that note, my friends, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Stay well. Be well. Be love in action, and I will talk to you next time.